Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. If you've uh, got your uh, Bible there, either uh, on your device or um, hard coffee, we're going to be uh, looking tonight at Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3 and reading through to uh, verse 4 of chapter 4. It's... um, an amazing story of the la- a la- man who was lame being healed and uh, Peter then uh, sharing and uh, one of the first uh, major opposition to the gospel. So Acts uh, chapter 3 commencing at verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, to receive money. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognised him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this or why do you stare at us? as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this, we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, (coughs) excuse me. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, 
The Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Amen. Um, Would someone at the back mind getting me a glass of water from the kitchen? Sorry to give you a public announcement about that, but I just thought I'd better have a glass to get through. I was um, sitting talking the other night with um, a younger man who goes to Glenelg Church. Uh, I like to say younger because I'm not quite old yet. And, uh, and he said, you know, I've, I've become a believer in Jesus and I work with all these people and not one of them knows Jesus. And I really don't know what to do. I don't know how to go about helping them, being available to them. And I said, in a way, we're really... Thank you very much. I said to him, in a way, we're all really in the same boat. We're all learning and we all need to come to see Jesus in a new way and what he is able to do in our lives. Tonight we read an amazing story with amazing results, both in the life of the lame man and then it came to be that there were then about 5,000 who believed. And we're doing a series on the book of Acts. We've called it Unstoppable, how God uses the church to change the world. And the church is not this building. You are the church part of his body worldwide and it's the unstoppable name of Jesus the gospel that changes lives that works in our situation the book of Acts all that Jesus continues to do and teach through his word by his spirit and so tonight we want to look at Jesus and this unstoppable gospel Jesus can heal in impossible situations. His healing, not ours. Jesus 
in the gospel makes a call upon your life to listen to him, not to yourself, not to the world, but to listen to him. And Jesus and his followers are going to face persecution, opposition. So firstly, Jesus can heal in impossible situations. And when you look at our our reading tonight, here was a man who all his life, it says from birth, was lame. He'd never once walked in his whole life. And it was so bad that he couldn't even, it's not that he could even stumble. He had to be carried every day to, uh, to the gate in front of the temple. I started to think, um, how would you, if you were a beggar, how would you maximise your money that you got? And the New Testament talks about uh, some men like uh, blind Bartimaeus. I think he sat beside the highway where you get the maximum passers-by and others sat in front of a rich man's house. And, uh, but uh, this man, they put outside the temple and I guess it was one way of appealing to people's conscience They'd been to worship God, well, I better do the right thing and give him, some, give him some money. And he was sitting there asking for help. And Peter and John went up to pray. But true spirituality is not just prayer. It's not just serving others and helping others, it's both. And Peter and John They saw this man, they looked at him, but what could they do for a man who had been unable to walk from birth? You know, they were were fishermen, not, not surgeons. There was no hospitals. Look at us, they said. Look at us. God has done something amazing in our lives. And so we can't give you silver and gold, but we can give you Jesus Christ, his name. He's the only person who can make a true difference in your life. We probably need to say something about healing. I don't know whether you've ever thought about it, but unfortunately within the church there's been a lot of wrong teaching that hasn't been really scriptural about healing and uh, there can be created these false expectations that if you have enough faith uh, God can heal you of anything but we fail to realise that sometimes God has a far bigger picture than healing just my particular issue or my particular problem There is a sense in which all healing is miraculous. Whether God uses medical processes, hospitals, doctors, or whether by prayer he answers prayer, all healing comes from his hand. Jesus had both in his healing. He would say to some people, go and sin no more, as though their sickness or problem was because of some direct result of sin. With other men like the man born blind in John chapter 9, the disciples thought it was his fault, but no. Jesus said, no, it wasn't his fault. It wasn't his parents' fault. It was so that God could somehow be seen to be glorified 
and honoured in this situation. And so God, in sickness, in all our difficulties, has a higher purpose, a bigger sovereign purpose. We live as sinners in a fallen world. It's not as God made it. You know, Paul had a thorn in his flesh and, uh, and yet God didn't take it away. He said, I want you to learn to live by my grace day by day. The lame man, in some ways, it's like a picture of our lives. God says no one is good. We can't make it by ourselves to heaven. Somehow we've got to be carried. We can never enter heaven in our own effort. And Jesus came and died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sin to carry us into heaven. There's no other way. Peter is very clear here. He says, I give you the name of Jesus. Even if I had money, it's not your deepest need. And the deepest need in our lives, we like to think, I wish I had this or I wish I had that. The deepest need is Jesus and his healing work in our hearts. You look at the detail of this story. Peter took him by the right hand and he raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. You know, when I hit 40, I, uh, I had my gallbladder out. My wife informed me that fair, fat and 40, a classic uh, age group to have your gallbladder out. Um, so I had my gallbladder out and I had four weeks off work. And I thought, well, I'll get home and I've got all these things to do. And all I could do was just sit. It took weeks to, to get over this operation. And yet here, God does an operation. You think how amazing it is that he was a man who had never walked in his whole life and God heals him, not only so that the ankles and the feet are strengthened, but he has coordination, he can walk, he can leap, and it's obvious to everyone. This was the very man that used to sit there at the, at the temple gate. And here he is walking and leaping and praising God, immediate healing. And you've got to see that's a picture, an amazing picture of the gospel. When God forgives your sin, when you come to him, he forgives your sin once for all. It's not a gradual process as though year by year you get another 10% of your sins forgiven. Once for all, Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And otherwise, it's no longer grace. It's no longer a free gift that he gives you, but you're trying to earn it. Right back in the Old Testament, God says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've loved you from eternity. And God wants to do that work in each of our lives. In verse 9, he says, All the people saw him walking and praising God and recognised him as the man who had been born lame. 
And when you come to Jesus, he starts to change your life. And there's something wrong. We have to ask, have I really come to Jesus if there's been no change in my life? If God hasn't started to work within my heart? I remember someone saying to me when I came to the Lord, you know, we thought you were the last person who would ever come to Jesus. They must have seen something that was changed in my life. Where do we start as we think about those that we relate to who are lost? We see we have friends, we have relatives, even perhaps in our own family who are lost. I think the clue here is Peter and John came to pray. And uh, Paul said, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for his own people was that they would be saved. But then as you start to live and relate amongst people, what is it that makes your life different? Sometimes it's a whole attitude of thanksgiving. You know, thanksgiving can be pretty unusual in our society, to be thankful. So easy to join in with complaining. And you tried, I've been working on it this week with people that have done things for me to just make sure I express my appreciation for what they've done. To be thankful, to live in that attitude because God has done so much for us. Perhaps there's something that you can do for this person. Perhaps it's just being a listening ear. I think more and more I'm seeing that, how we've just got to learn to listen to people and not jump in with our immediately, with our quick fix answers, but learn to listen to the heart, the heart cry of those we relate to. You know, um, a fellow called uh, Tim Chester wrote, uh, how would you complete the following sentence? The Son of Man, Jesus, the Son of Man came, dot, 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 dot. Well, in, uh, in Mark 10.45, he says, the Son of Man came not to, be, uh, not, to ser- uh, not to be served, but to serve. He came to give his life a ransom for many. And then in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. But then the third one, he said, we don't often think about Luke 7.34, the Son of Man, Jesus came eating and drinking. I sort of double looked at that when I first read that. I'd never thought of it like that. But the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And what uh, Tim Chester said was the first two verses are about Jesus' purpose. He came to us to seek and to save the lost. But his method was often eating and drinking. Not like a drunken and a glutton, but there are many stories in the Gospels where he sat and ate with others. And he said, how many times do you... Sit and eat with those who don't know the Lord. We can get so busy in church life, we miss out on interacting 
with those who need the gospel. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Not that he went along with everything they did, but he related in a very natural way. I think about our meal we have every fortnight after and for some of those who have come over the time that we've been having it, people who have just turned up. It's a beautiful part of our community that anyone can come and be a part of that meal. For people like me who became a Christian a long time ago, I started to think, what is it that makes our life different? People may not have seen the change in your conversion, but I I fell into the trap of thinking my life to be a, a testimony to Jesus has to be perfect. Well, none of us have got to that point yet. And what really Jesus is looking for, I believe, is that our lives are vulnerable, that we're willing to admit where we've made a mistake. That'll set you apart in most workplaces. That because, and we can do that, because our dependence, our trust is in Jesus. He's the one who gives us work. He's the one who leads us and controls us. We've learned, and that's, I guess my wife and I have really learned coming here how each of you has been a blessing to us in the fellowship and the sharing of lives that we can have together. Jesus can heal in impossible situations, but it's his healing in his time And he wants you to trust him for healing in your own life, but also for healing in the lives of those you know, that the name of Jesus can draw them to himself. But then secondly, Jesus calls you to repent, to listen to Jesus. This morning, uh, Jacko preached at Glenelg, and uh, when he got to this section, He summarised it by saying, number one, you killed Jesus. The prophets of the Old Testament foretold this and you will find great blessings in Jesus. I thought that was a lovely summary of Peter's sermon that he preaches here. You handed over, it says, you denied, you killed the author of life, the source of life. And... In one sense, the natural reaction is to say, well, I wasn't there. Um, Some of us, even as the oldest ones here, were not there. But we've got to start to see that it was my sin that put him there. Would I honestly have been any different if I was, uh, if, if I, you know, had been there back then? Would I have been any different from the crowd? It's a bit like blaming Adam and Eve and and we face the consequences of his sin. And, uh, And yet all our lives show that we have just sinned just as much. I mean, Adam only had one thing to keep. We've had many things that we've broken God's laws with. Who is this Jesus? Peter declares that Jesus is the answer to our deep needs. First of all, he's the servant, God's servant. 
the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, of Jacob, has sent his, uh, his servant. And that reminds us of Isaiah 53, the servant who, who, came, who was prophesied to come, that uh, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him, the servant, the sin, the iniquity of us all. And then he refers in verse 13 to Jesus. Jesus uh, glorified his servant Jesus. Jesus means the Lord is my salvation. Here God sent his son God became a man, fully human, human in every way. He became a man in order to be the sacrifice for our sin, to pay the death to pay the penalty of death that we deserved. In verse 14, he's the holy and righteous one. He was holy. He was set apart to do God's will, God's plan. And he was righteous. He was innocent of any crime. Even Pilate's wife recognised that and said, don't you condemn that man. He's innocent. And yet the crowd begged for his death. He's the author of life, the prince of life, the originator, the pioneer. In him was life, John says, and this life was the light of men. And then in verse 18, he's the Christ, God's Messiah. The cross was not an accident. It was all part of God's predetermined plan to deliver us. And it's this Jesus that Peter says here, as Moses prophesied, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. It's this Jesus that we must listen to. He's the only one who can deal with our deepest needs. So Peter says, repent and turn. Change your direction of your life. And turn from following yourself, turn from your sin, 180 degrees to follow Jesus and to listen to his voice. The key question, and that's where I, I think we often go wrong, is we look at people and say, surely they're good enough. But Peter in his message is not saying have you been good enough? He's saying there, have you listened to Jesus? That's how we've got to assess whether I know the Lord and whether other people we relate to know the Lord. Have they listened to Jesus? There are many people who live on the outward a pretty decent life, but have they in their heart listened to Jesus and called upon him? For when I was back uh, working full time, I, um, I, uh, for about four years of my life, I commuted to Melbourne uh, one, two or three days a week. And uh, we would land and uh, I would get into a taxi and we would have an hour drive into the city. And uh, sometimes the conversation, there was always a bit of 
tension. I think the taxi driver would wonder what I was going to say and I was wonder how he would react. But we got, I got talking with a taxi driver one time and uh, we found out we were both believers. And uh, he said to me, let me tell you what happened in my life. One night I was taking uh, two girls home, uh, you know, young ladies, I was taking them home and uh, one of them uh, said to me, just uh, straight out, do you love Jesus? And I said, well, I, I go to church reasonably regularly. And she said, yes, but do you love Jesus? And he said, well, I, you know, I try and live a good life. And she said, yes, but do you love Jesus? And he said, well, um, I sort of give a bit to the church. And she said, yes, but do you love Jesus? She didn't give up. And then finally, uh, she got out first and he had to take the other girl on to the next place, next home. And uh, when she got out and left him, the other girl said to him, she's crazy, don't listen to her. And it was almost as though the devil had gone too far. And he said, I said in my heart, no, I don't love Jesus. I've lived my own life. I've gone my own way. And right there and then, he said, Lord, I want to love you and give my life to you. He had friends who would come up to him because the Lord healed him of a deep bitterness in his life. He had his sins forgiven. And he would have friends come up and say, you look 10 years younger. What's happened? His whole face changed. And I've never forgotten that story because I think I get caught up in thinking people are all right because on the outer they're living a pretty good life. But the gospel, the unstoppable gospel says you're not all right unless you've listened to Jesus. Unless there's been a turn in the direction of your life, a way, a new attitude towards sin and a new attitude toward God. And God can do that amazing work in your life as he did for the lame man. But the thing also that I want us to remember, it's never, it was never just for the lame man. As you go on into chapter 4, you see there were 5,000 who were converted. As this opportunity came to preach the gospel, as they saw the change in this man's life, it opened up for so much more for God to do his work. God can heal the impossible situation in your life. God makes a call upon your life to listen to Jesus. But then finally, Jesus and his followers are going to face opposition. We saw that in chapter 4. And Jesus says in coming to him, Jesus says, don't ever think it'll make life easier. In many ways, it will make life harder. But you will have the Lord, you will have God, the Father, Jesus, the Saviour, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, 
to enable you. In the world, Jesus says, you will have tribulation or troubles. Take heart, I have overcome the world. In me, you will have peace. So chapter four says to us, what will your response be? Will you be annoyed when someone, I remember the first time someone shared the gospel with me, I was a bit annoyed and I started to argue with him and uh, got him out of the way. Because basically, when someone shares the gospel with you, it's saying you're a needy person, that you have to be carried, that you can't get there yourself. You need the Lord to carry you, just like the lame man. That is, there is an offence to the gospel that sometimes you're going to meet people who are just really prepared for the gospel. God has been doing a work in their hearts. Other times, it's going to be offensive to them. And Jesus didn't delude us with, with that. He was very clear. God, we're doing, with a young couple, we're doing some marriage preparation. We're using a book that City Light uses um, uh, on marriage by Paul Tripp. And, uh, and he says, you've got to manage your expectations in marriage. And as I've thought about it during the week, I've thought it's just as true of all our relationships as we relate. He says, firstly, you've got to expect that you're living in a fallen world. There are going to be unexplained difficulties. And, you know, there's death, there's sickness, there's, you'll lose your job. There are going to be, um, there are things that are going to happen in a fallen world. And then you are one sinner relating to another sinner. That's true in marriage, but it's also true in our much broader context as we relate to other people. But then thirdly, he says, God is faithful, God is powerful, and God is willing. God is faithful. For a long time, he's called you, and he remains faithful all through your Christian life. And God is powerful. At the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin, and he's greater than all the impossible situations that God is going to put us through. And God is willing he longs for us to come to him, not just to turning to him, but every day to come to him and walk with him. Like the lame man, your conversion was never just for you, but God wants to make you a light to the nations, to your family and extended family, your work colleagues, wherever he places you. And God can take the most unlikely character and do an amazing work, just as he did in our story tonight. Let's pray that our lives will continue to bring honour and glory to him. Let's pray. Father, we're just uh, so thankful for the amazing gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ for his healing work in our lives. It's very precious. And so we, Father, come to pray that you would continue to speak to our hearts from this passage from the book of Acts.
May we continue to see you do a deep work, deeper work in our lives, a deep work in the lives of others that are so needy. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.